Power don't come from a badge or a gun. Power comes from lying. Lying big and getting the whole damn world to play along with you. Once you got everybody agreeing with what they know in their hearts ain't true, you've got them by the balls. Hello and welcome to episode 551 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a Thursday Comics episode. Cat just jumped on me, so I gotta deal with him trying to readjust 50 times until I get set up. But that that was a quote from Senator Rourke from Sin City, the the movie. Uh, just a heads up, we are going to. Go on spring break, spring cleanup for at least two weeks starting next week. So I'm trying to get the word out right now and get caught up on a few things. And there may or may not be a few loose episodes that pop up here and there during it. If I have stuff I need to get out or whatever, but I need to get some things situated around the household. All kinds of things are going on. Plus, I need to get through some major spring cleanup and rearranging again. So, I never finished my last project, and I need to get to my next project and get this all going. So, just keep an eye and an ear out, and we'll probably still at least be doing, like, unpacking videos on our YouTube channel and things like that. So, just watch for us. We'll be back normal eventually but i just need to take some time to figure some things out change some possible programming and just get my life back in order i guess <laughs> but we got a nice stack of comics today so we might have an hour-long episode we'll see what happens but we're going to start out with junkyard joel this is number five. The tales of Mad Ghost Unnamed continue, as the robot soldier called Joe must protect himself and three children from a clandestine group of killers who want to claim Joe for their own deadly desires. What these assassins don't know yet is that they are in for the fight of their lives. Damn right, damn it. I don't care if Joe's creator, buddy, artist is old and wore out. Joe's still going to protect him. Joe's still going to kick some ass. And hopefully some people will join forces and help out Joe along the way. But, yeah, this was an interesting follow-up to the last issue we got our characters that are hunting them down that are just not nice people they kind of have a military presence and but yet it's like a a special ops group of characters that I'm guessing are part of the people that 
designed Joe, and now they're trying to get him back. But they don't deserve him. Joe's a good-hearted little character. We need him to stick around and see what happens along the way. So hopefully he can protect our family and neighbors and get himself away without anybody getting injured along the way. But I have a feeling some innocents are going to get injured while Joe is trying to get his life squared away and figured out. And just try to have that bit of freedom that is all he's looking for. All of us, all any of us are looking for. Quit having these jackasses running our countries, ruling our lives, telling us what to do. And we're just sitting by watching them literally scam us to death. Like I mentioned on yesterday's podcast about how the oil companies are making billions in profits the last couple of years, more than they've made in the past, but yet we're struggling to get to work, get our vehicles filled, and get to where we're going, cutting our vacations, all that stuff because we can't afford to go on trips anymore. The government doesn't give a shit. As long as they're profiting and the oil companies that they get money from or profiting. That's all that matters. Right? Not us. <laughs> uh, I'm in a hate mode today. I just hate everybody. It's screwing everybody else over. Let's get some better, more fun things. Let's get back to comics. I got the Savage Dragon, Sex and Violence, number one and two. An important part of Savage Dragon continuity. This two-issue miniseries introduces a new character to readers that plays a major role in later issues of the regular Savage Dragon book. In a sleazy world of strip joints and porn, a bunch of headless corpses lead cops to suspect Jennifer Murphy, a battered housewife who killed her husband with her awakening superpowers, and the dragon is determined to prove her innocence. It's a brutal, sexy, gripping series written by Tom and Mary Beerbaum with Eric Larson, art by Adam Hughes and Rick Mays. This is a great run. Just a nice short two-issue run where we get to meet our new character, that's just learning about her superpowers, but she's getting judged for some other people that ended up getting losing their heads. <laughs> and they're basically punishing her for it when it's someone else that took out everybody but her husband. <clears throat> so you got to see what happens by reading it. See if Savage Dragon helps her out, gets her out of prison, gets her in longer sentence, gets her killed, or what happens if the actual bad person gets caught, or who knows what happens along the way. You're going to have to check it out. But yeah, I love the Savage Dragon comics, everything I've read, I've always enjoyed. I have checked out Savage Dragon since I was young. 
because it was just one of those characters that popped on the covers with that big green fin. I was a dragon addict when I was younger, and that just made everything way better. It's just seeing a character that's based off dragons just made me so happy. But then we got DC Horrors presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Stand at attention, cadet. Easy companies blasting their way through the undead all across Berlin. But don't get cocky now, soldier, because your platoons just come face to face with something far more horrifying than zombies. Sergeant Rock has fallen in battle. Could it be that Easy Company will be sending their fearless leader home in a flag-draped coffin? Check out this fear-soaked finale to find out. This is such a wonderful run. I'm so glad Bruce Campbell joined forces with Eduardo Rizzo and Christian Rossi. This was done so well. I really hope that Bruce decides to keep doing these type of stories. I like the six-issue run. I hope he keeps it to that. And maybe some one-shots. But if you missed out on this series, if you like the World War II era pumped up with supernatural abilities... I think you'd enjoy this run a lot. I'm not big on the whole SS thing anymore. I'm so sick and tired of reading stories about it. Those jackasses. And it's just, I want something new. But it works so well when you're bringing Sergeant Rock in. Because it's all that era. So you have to kind of play off that. But it's just. So much fun. All right. Next up, we have Silver Blade, number six, from DC Comics. Jonathan Lord is made the victim of one of his own transformations as he teams with the Falcon to combat the Winged Avenger. Yes, Dracula lives. One Through the Heart is written by Carrie Bates, with art and cover by Gene Cullen and Steve Mitchell. The new format. Uh, this is enjoyable. We're seeing a variety of mythical style characters in here that are crossing paths. And they're all kind of leading up to the same same enemy, Dracula, that they're dealing with. And it was interesting how this run is portrayed. I only have issue number six. It's from 1987. So I'm going to have to go through, through the DC comic back issues and see if I can find the rest of them. I had this one because of the vampire cover. I acquired it through a collection. I don't know why I didn't have any of the other ones. 
but when I look at the other covers and stuff, I don't recognize anything that I had. So I am going to have to look into that. It looks like it was a 12-issue run originally. So I will see if I find more. But there are some very interesting characters, shapeshifters and stuff in this that have a different way that they portray those abilities and those characters. Uh Next up, we got Frank Miller, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, number one of six. I thought I had the whole run. I probably do have the whole run. It's just, for some reason, I only had number one in this area where I found it. So hopefully I'll come across the rest. I'm pretty sure I have the complete run of it. But... A Dame to Kill For is a comic book limited series written and drawn by Frank Miller and first published by Dark Horse Comics in 1993. It is the second story in Miller's Sin City series format. It has since been reprinted in graphic novel format in four separate collections. There is also a 2014 American action crime anthology film called Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which is directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller. The script is written by Miller and is primarily based on the second book in the Sin Series series, Sin City series by Miller, A Dame to Kill For. Uh... I remember back in the Dick Tracy days and Sin City, the movie days, I just didn't care for them. They didn't pull me in. And I think I related uh, Dick Tracy to Sin City. That's why I didn't give a shit about reading the comics. So I just left them off set aside, which is a bummer because I wish I would have checked these out sooner. Because I know I could have picked up more stuff related to them at one point. But I passed it up because it just wasn't grabbing me. But this is an interesting look at a couple characters. Just hooking up, meeting up, working together, and... A dame that kind of crosses their path. That one of our characters is always had a spot in his heart for. And will always, no matter what, answer her becking call to help her out. No matter what situation he's in. Because deep down, he wishes he could have saved her for himself and they could have stayed together all these years but it's just a wonderful story seeing that watching where the team up comes in and i definitely want to read the rest of them i'd like to take a new look at the a relook at a dame to kill for the movie and see about that whether or not i can enjoy it now 
but after reading these issues, it was so much, such a fun night. Uh, last night, just reading these, and they they flow so smoothly. They're fast reads, but I also checked out Sin City Silent Night one shot, which is a silent comic. It's you have one sentence of dialogue. Other than that, it's just images that explain everything, flow beautifully. The artwork is awesome. And it just clicks perfectly. And a lot of times I'll pick up a silent comic and you get the gist, like Despicable Me comics and stuff like that. But not always do they flow this well. And this Sin City version was just, it was so nice. I, it's a quick finger through, thumb through. But I had to stop every page and just enjoy the artwork, take it in. Feel the flow of the storyline, putting my own thoughts and processes into each page. But this is done so well. I don't, I don't understand why the movie kind of put me off. That's why I really want to rewatch that, the movie, the original movie. But yeah, next one we checked out was Sin City, Lost, Lonely, and Lethal by Frank Miller. We get to meet Blue Eyes in here. Oh, no, you get to meet Blue Eyes. And, and Blue Eyes is all over the place. But uh, just the storyline, watching some goons deal with the character that ends up turning into a surprise. Uh, short read about a character that becomes part of his torturing presence. We get a taste of good old blue eyes, our beautiful dame and a love of her life that thinks he's being followed and going to be taken out. And you get to see all the twists and turns of that story. And again, three wonderful stories Completely different concepts, but yet they flowed perfectly throughout the book. The artwork was unique and distinctive and kind of pulled you through it. I love the darkness, how they play with the darkness and the light in these books. I like... The wordplay, the layout of the word, the fonting of the words and stuff to make them fit each individual storyline. It's just, again, bravo, bravo. <laughs> just so well done. And then the final Sin City one that we checked out last night was Sin City Sex and Violence 
And this one gets us a little deeper into our Blue Eyes story. Uh, I don't want to give away much of it because it's going to ruin part of the other story. But she goes on a date at the tar pits, the L.A. tar pits or whatever it is, where the dinosaurs were. And you get to see how her date goes wrong. And then there's a second story on a train where she's dealing with something that she screwed up in her past. And she's fixing it. And it's just, again, just so perfectly well done. It's just, it was so enjoyable. I was kind of bummed when I ran out of (laughs) Sin City Comics to read. I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass. Because I could have swore I had a couple Sin City big books. But I felt that I wouldn't be interested in them. And I think I gave well, sold them to a comic shop cheap with a bunch of other boxes of comics. But I'm not positive. I could be completely wrong. But yeah, I will keep searching through my stuff to see what else I find for. And hopefully I can find those other five issues of a dame to kill for. Well, a dame to die for. A dame to kill for is the movie. I keep getting them. Or no, a dame to kill for is the comic book. And the movie. So I was thinking one was to die for, one was to kill for. But yeah, those were very enjoyable. I am hoping we get more to talk about sometime soon but other than that I have been checking out a few things a few series shows things that I've been watching I'm kind of well I decided to break down and get Peacock because I want to watch put the new Puss in Boots movie this weekend with the wife And I'd like to see the director's or the uncut version of the Megan movie. And there's a bunch of other things on there. But I also took a deep dive into wrestling. And I got WCCW. I got AWA. I got uh, ECW. All kinds of old wrestling formats. uh, Organizations that I grew up on and stuff. And I'm taking a deep dive back into them. Seeing if there's anything I missed from the past and just enjoying the shit out of watching the old people. Uh, Oh, I lost my train of thought. It was... I don't know. I can't bring it back, I guess. Talking about watching old people do something. It's just been enjoyable. Just falling back. Oh, the wrestling. The old wrestlers. Just the Von Eric family. Getting to see 
old man von Eric protecting his sons, the sons being the guys that didn't want to do anything wrong in wrestling and wanted to wrestle everything by the rules and win by the rules and not be the, one of these cheaters or people that jumps in, affects the match and all that stuff. It's just fun watching those periods. It's also sad because the Von Eriks were my family, my favorite family of wrestlers and so much harsh death, suicide, loss of life and stuff throughout that family's history. But Kevin was always my favorite, of course, named after me. And just, I love his barefoot fighting philosophy, his iron fist and all that. Uh, it's fun watching some of the submission moves back then. Just so simplistic and just goofy, but that, the crowd loved it. We all loved it. I still love it to this day. Mm, I'm able to drink coffee again. Woohoo! Went off a couple of medications and my flavor taste buds are starting to come back for certain things. So I can finally twist the patty <laughs> and have a cup of coffee without having a bunch of issues with flavor. Uh, checked out. Trying to remember. It's an interesting twist. It was called Vengeance. It's on Amazon. It's got. It's an American black comedy film written and directed by B.J. Novak in his directorial debut. The film stars Novak, Boyd Holbrook. Dove Cameron, Issa Rae, and Ashton Kutcher. Jason Blum is a producer under his Blumhouse Productions banner, and Greg Gillerith and Alan Hendricks are producers under the Divine Conquer banner. Uh, it's an interesting movie about payback for people getting screwed over by people that just don't care, people that are overdosing and their bodies just getting tossed out like trash and someone that wants to get a little payback. So he kind of like finds his way into things and there's a certain Burning Man style party type get together that has a big thing to do with the whole storyline but I love the characters in here uh, there's a lot of great people that are part of this movie and it was really fun I enjoyed it a lot also checked out on Amazon Die Hart with Kevin Hart playing a character that wants to do bigger movie roles but goes through a camp to increase his ability and complains the whole time and tries to figure out what's going on at the camp and all this stuff. It is all right. I, but it didn't, it wasn't a 
want to watch again type pull me in type movie. My favorite character in the whole movie was Sassy the Squirrel. This squirrel that keeps fucking around with Kevin. <laughs> and that was the funnest part of the whole movie to me. But yeah, that one could have used some more work. Uh, they have a ways to go. With that, if they're going to do any more of them, and it, was, it was okay, but just didn't jump out at me. The wife got a bug up her butt because you, we've been hearing so much Brendan Fraser stuff lately, and I also been thinking I want to watch Encino Man again really bad, but then the other day she popped on Hulu and decided she wanted to watch The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, and the third one, Scorpion King or whatever. The three first three mummy movies. So we checked those out and they hold up wonderfully. And probably just as glued to them now as I was back when I originally watched them. And the other one I checked out on Hulu was Skyfire, which is a volcano one, Asian style volcanic movie. It was enjoyable. I liked the way they did that one too. And those special effects were awesome in it. Uh, I'm a fan of Dante's. Dante's Peak or whatever, and I can't think of the other volcanic movie that came out around the same time, which is better than Dante's Peak. But, uh, yeah, I always like the volcanic natural disaster things, and, yeah, those just, this one just clicked right with them. But I'm out of time here, so I will be back with the second part of the show right after this. Okay, we're back. There was one other show that I was thinking about was on Discovery Plus. They had Bahama Life or something like that where they go around the Bahamian Islands and show people looking to buy or rent spaces out there. And I uh, haven't. It starts out with reasonable price stuff, and then it gets into half a million, million dollar listings. But uh, I've always been partial to island living, even though my wife always wants to be around snow for winter, for Christmas. But I just like watching those shows every now and then, so I was checking that out because of that. It started out reasonably priced, and then just went downhill from there on me. I didn't finish off the rest of the seasons. I got, I think, maybe through two seasons. But, yeah. I'm sorry if you hear me taking sips. I got a huge cup of coffee and it's getting cold. <laughs> so, I got to suck it up. Finish it off. While I do this portion of the show. But, let's get back to the comics. Starting out with Sinja. Deadly Sins. We got number one. Uh, it's just number one A and one B. So I got the autograph version and the alternate cover. Regular cover by John Cleary. Written by John Cleary, Joseph Zyskowski, and Tim Cleary. Art by John Cleary. A Tale of Death, Rebirth, an elemental evil set in 13th century Japan. A warrior slain by elemental demons 
is resurrected by Sishin, the spirit of life. She makes him her agent in the war to free Japan from the demons. And thus he becomes the Sinja. Yeah, this is kind of like a story about a family legacy curse, uh, you could say in some ways. But yeah, the child becomes the immortal being and you get to see this samurai style badass demon slaying character and see how he prevails through time and how their family history is all connected to it and how certain members have to go through certain things. It's it's an interesting storyline. I definitely enjoyed this and would not mind finding more stuff down the road if it's available. I'm not really sure whether or not there is more. I mean, by looking at uh, my comic shop, they only have a number one with a variety of like six different colors for Sinja Deadly Sins, but I'm sure there's other Sinja series out there, including the next one, which I have a signed version of. It's Sinja Resurrection. It's a Kuniochi flipbook, comic books from 1996. Regular cover by John Cleary, written by John Cleary, art by John Cleary. A special flipbook presenting the debuts of two series featuring martial arts masters. Resurrected by the Spirit of Life, 13th century warrior Sinja battles elemental demons trained in the fighting arts of the ancient ninja. And then you got the four Konoichi sisters set out to join the ninja clan of their ancestors. It was enjoyable, but I didn't know it was a flip book because it's not your standard flip book where you'll have the alternate cover on each side that kind of turns the book over. But this one starts out with Sinja Resurrection, which is part one of three. So there are two more books I got to pick up, at least for this series. And these are done by Lightning Comics, by the way. Uh, and then when you flip it over... You get the fan bonus of Kunoichi, number one. And this is just more history of the character and getting deeper on their family lore and finding out about more stuff and seeing the, the poor child tortured by demons and what he has to deal with in his future. And it's just, very well done, beautiful artwork, nice story layout, and then getting the four Kono, Konoichi characters learning about their origin story, about them being sent off in a small vessel into the ocean or into the waters to hopefully be found by someone that can protect them, take care of them, train them, raise them, teach them a way of life. But They do get 
lucky along the way they find a character that's also lost in the ocean on his ship that's kind of decaying and falling apart and then he saves the girls and gets them to land and takes them in adopts them trains them teaches them the ways of the ninja you get to see what they do with their abilities when they get started and it's just i have lots of or at least some other kunoichi stories of the four kunoichis the four badass ninja gals and i'm uh, looking forward to reading those hopefully sometime soon if i come across them again but yeah i've never read them in the past and i got hooked on them because of this so i'm going to have to read some more next up we got sisters of darkness Sisters of Darkness is a lusciously illustrated series from Steve Warren, featuring his erotic renderings of women whose sensuality is tinged with a hint of evil. Most of the illustrations are of female vampires. However, some of the drawings are different depictions of the famous bad girl from the 1940s Betty's Page. Yeah, someone from Texas is trying to call me. I don't think so. I'm not taking that. I don't trust those people. I don't know you if you don't have a name. But yeah, the artwork in here, the illustrations are interesting. I took that some were vampiric, but I didn't think most of them were vampiric. I mean, I got a big feel of Betty Page in here which they mention and they even have a page with Betty Page on it but then they give you a fun little grunge bunny story which kind of has parodies of Mad Magazine and other things in it and it's just a short like four page story and then it gets into more Images and prints and stuff that you can order and advertisements like that. But, yeah, that was enjoyable. The, the short, it was nice seeing that back in the day they did pinup style uh, comics with a little short story thrown in there. So, I was happy to see that. I hope they keep doing stuff like that in the future, but. That was definitely worth checking out. This is uh, from Illustration Studios Publications. If you're interested in hunting it down at all. Next up, and we're reading a second one right now, but this is issue 66618. And it's from Fleetway Quality. It's 666, The Mark of the Beast. And it says it's number one or number 18, which would make sense because it's 666 and then 18 on the cover. But the other issue I'm reading right now does not have the whole 666 for the number line. That's why I thought maybe this is some other separate one shot that they did, but apparently not. It's number 18 of the run, the final issue, at least according to my list. 
Cover by Ken Barr, The Dracula File, by Simon Furman, who did the script, and Eric Bradbury, who did the art. Monster, by Unknown and Redondo, doing the art. Tharg's Future Shocks, by P. Barber, doing the script, and Ron Smith with the art. And The Nightcombers by Tom Tully for script and Jay Richardson for art. This is has that EA Comics feel, the old school horror stories. Beautifully laid out. The artwork is wonderful. The storyline flows nicely. Uh, I really liked our horror story or our band Dracula style story that they started out with that was well done and then the second story kind of takes us to a hunchback in Notre Dame well kind of a hunchback kind of a phantom of the opera I guess and kind of like a crossover of those characters and he's just trying to find a doctor to help cure his the way he looks so people quit criticizing him and abusing him and he's hanging out with his nephew to try and figure this out and while they go along the way they have some issues that they have to deal with uh then in Thargus's future shocks we get a fun nessie story of the loch ness monster and dealing with it and it's just a quick little like four pager but it was a lot of fun and then we get uh, the, in the Nightcombers, it's basically someone that's possessed that's trying to summon or satiate a demon along the way, satisfy his needs, and all kinds of things go wrong, and you got to read the story to find out. But this was interesting. I got two of these books that I have in my collection. This number 18, and I believe the other one that I'm reading right now is number 3, which has more werewolf-style stories. But I will let you know how that one went. I've only read the first part of it so far, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, Very well done, as this one was. But after looking at all these other ones, I wouldn't mind having this collection. Because it... Definitely takes me back to the EA Comics feel, but written and drawn better. I just I feel these stories had more completion to them. Whereas a lot of times when I read the EA stories, I was kind of left wanting a little bit more or hoping there'd be a second story down the road. <sighs> Good old coffee. Take a sip, sip of whatever you're drinking if you got it. It's good for your body. Keep those fluids going. Uh, next one I'm going to be talking about from Awesome Comics is Six String Samurai, number one. But before I get to it, take a final swig here. Before I get to it, I noticed that there's a movie that I have not watched yet. So I am going to have to check it out. 
also called Six String Samurai. In the post-apocalyptic world of 1990s Nevada, a rock and roll samurai on his way to Las Vegas takes a young orphan boy under his protection as Death and his metalhead horsemen chase after him. Now, he is a rock and roll samurai. I'm trying to say I read this one a little while back, but let's see. Let's read their story basis on this comic first before I give my opinion. In 1957, the bomb dropped and the Russians took over what was America. The last bastion of freedom became a place called Las Vegas, and Elvis was crowned king. I guarantee if the country, ta- if our country's taken over, Las Vegas ain't going to be the one that's left standing. <laughs> Whoever takes our country over is going to want Vegas. Uh, after 40 rocking years, the king is dead. Every guitar picking, sword singing, sword singing opportunist, including death himself, hears the call, echoing across the wastelands. Vegas needs a new king. This is created by Lance Mungia, Jeffrey Falcon. No, that's an advertisement for the movie. That's not the people that did the comics. Sorry. Uh, This one is one of those comics where you're constantly twisting and turning them. I think this might be based off the movie because it's like the character representation and stuff they have in here. Yeah, I guess that is right. Stories by Matt Hawkins. Story consultant was Rob Liefeld, penciled by John Stinsman and Dan Fraga, colors by Brett Evans, Don Skinner, Brian Busilato, and the Steve. So, yeah, I guess those were the people that did it. But this was interesting. You got the six-string samurai hanging out with a kid, and he's trying to find a place for the kid that can be safe because he doesn't want the kid following along with him because his life keeps coming across entities that he has to deal with and he doesn't want the kid to be at harm's in harm's way so first place he decides to drop the kid off just so happens to be full of bad entities (laughs) so uh, you get to see what they deal with and what they do along the way with that. But yeah, that was a wonderful issue. I want to know how many more there are and if I can complete that run and get the rest of the story. I have to look up as soon as I'm done doing this podcast. I'm going to go look on the TV, see if I can find the Six String Samurai movie because I definitely want to watch it. But yeah. It was an enjoyable run. Something worth checking out if you're into that kind of thing. But yeah, it was fun. It had some nice little twists and turns along the way with it. All right, next up, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Best of Raphael. 
This is from IDW Comics. Uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird did the Mirage story. Uh, Brian Lynch and Franco Ura did the IDW story. And the macro series was done by Kevin Eastman, Tom Waltz, Ben Bishop, Tom Varga, and Sean Lee. But this issue launches a new series of TMNT reprints that showcase the best stories of your favorite TMNT characters. Featuring tales from different publishers, the first issue showcases the ever-surly Raphael. At almost 100 pages, this is your one-stop shop for all things cool but rude. This, These stories were fun seeing the camaraderie between Casey and Raph. Uh, and you start out with the turtles having a little confrontation. Raph going off, Raph going off with his little pissy attitude like usual. Meeting up with Casey. A lot of these stories are what are based on the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies with the play between Raph and Casey. Um, we get to meet an awesome Fox character in this, in the middle stories and end stories, and see where she's connected and how that flows. We see a story where Raph gets kidnapped, taken in, and kind of scientifically experimented on. Uh, but yeah, these were wonderful. And if you heard my review on Leatherhead, I was bummed because they started off right away with killing a elephant, which I don't really need to see. See animal torture and stuff. The human torture I'm fine with. <laughs> but yeah, that just bummed me out. And then there was something else in that one that kind of bummed me out. So still debating if I'm going to put Leatherhead for sale or not. And then when I was going through, I noticed I had double Donnies. Two Donatellos. But I don't have any Michelangelo's. So I'm going to have to get the best of Michelangelo. I know I got a Splinter, I got a Casey Jones, but I am going to have to figure out why I don't have a Mikey. All right, the final one we're going to talk about is from Antarctic Press. It is Zombie Killustrated, number one. Written by Joe Wright or Joe White and Brian Keen, art by Joe White and David Hutchinson, cover by Brian Dunham. Hungry for some brain food? Then feast your eyes on this tasty tome. Tome. This carnage killerama collects together the finest of our undead-based material into one warm, off-the-press package for any zombie fan to gorge on. Zombie Killustrated. It's a no-brainer. 
32 pages, black and white. You get a nice little military story to start you off. Shortly before the start of World War II, the German high command began a secret investigation into powers of the supernatural. Ancient legend told of a race of warriors whose superhuman power came from within the earth itself. As Germany prepared for war, the SS secretly enlisted a group of scientists to create an invincible soldier. It is known that the bodies of German soldiers killed in battle were returned to a hidden laboratory near Koblenz, where they were used in a variety of scientific and supernatural experiments. It is rumored that during the war, Allied troops encountered German squads who fought without regard to their own fatal wounds, who were nearly impossible to kill. No soldier from these SS Totenkorps squads was ever captured alive. But yeah, this is more play on the zombie SS talk that thankfully never happened. <laughs> uh, but it puts a little interesting play on it. Then we got The Last Zombie by Brian Keane. And this one, again, takes us into the military aspect. And they're trying to find find something in this mess while they deal with basically an environment overrun with zombies. Very few humans left. But then the final storyline is Planet of the Living Dead, which takes us into space. And we get to see some characters dealing with their space travels along the way while they also have to deal with some type of zombie-based infection. And uh, it's got its own little interesting twist along the way also. But yeah, again, another fun zombie set of stories. Kind of left you hanging with some of the stuff. Other stuff was pretty well laid out and complete to an extent. But I enjoyed them all. And you give me zombies, I'm pretty easy with enjoying what's up with anything zombie. But, yep. That is it for our comics. Don't forget that we're going to be taking a break. We can... End this with a couple fun facts. There are full grown sharks that measure only five inches long. Yeah, I used to have some little tiny red tailed sharks and stuff like that in my aquarium. Fully grown, they only got a few inches, they weren't that big. A sign painter was having a hard time fitting the words motor hotel onto a sign. So to save space, he invented the word motel. And it sounds way better. Motor hotel just didn't flow off the tongue well, so it's a good thing they did change it to a motel. 
If all the eggs of a female fly hatched, she would be the mother of 131 billion, or no, it's 131-000-000-000-000-000-000 baby flies in six months. What is that, a quintensitillion? <laughs> all right. Next one up we got is ants sometimes get drunk. This happens when ants drink nectar from the bodies of certain beetles. Then undrunk ants carry a drunk ant to some water and toss it in. The drunk ant sobers up fast after his dunking. <laughs> Let him enjoy his buzz. Jeez, buzz kills. And the last one is guinea pigs do not originate from guinea and are not members of the pig family. Oh, yeah. Kind of figured that. <laughs> all right. That's it for all that stuff. That's it for the comics for today. But yes, remember, starting next week, we're going to do at least a, take a spring break, spring cleanup. For at least two weeks, maybe longer. But we'll probably pop some oddball videos out there and stuff like that during that time period. If it goes above and beyond that, I'll get at least next month's previews of things coming out in the future done and stuff like that. Just so we have it out there for you to check out things. But other than that, I'm not sure what I will be doing during that time period but i need to get a bunch of stuff done and get some family stuff taken care of and get caught up on a bunch of paperwork and crap like that so i want to get that all done out of the way so i can come back stronger than ever and hopefully get a couple new segments out there on our youtube channel and stuff and i'm trying to get some things to play with on instagram too so you can follow us on instagram now if you'd like also uh that one i'm not sure it might be under kevin kirby kleinance all one word uh, kirby's with a k k e r b y kleinance is how it smells smells spells sounds klein and hans yeah, I know Kevin Klein and then just add the hots part. But yeah. That's it for today. So be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Shadow Monster. Check out Under the Cull, Under the Cull of MS, Crimson Cull, Comic Club, AB Conversation, and whatever else you can think of. I don't want to step on anybody's shoes. So that's all I can think of the shout out at the moment. So we'll talk to you later. Bye.